today we have Megan Clark here to talk about um, rights and restoration and other legal-ish matters. Well, hello to everyone. Uh, my name is Megan Clark and I am the Commonwealth's attorney for Prince Edward County, which is located in Farmville, Virginia. Um, I go way back with Renee to before we had any titles or anything formal. Um, we were students at Longwood University in Farmville, so it's my pleasure to be here. A um, little bit about me. I'm from Farmville, um, and for most people, they don't know where Farmville is um, and where Prince Edward County is, and I make them know where we are because of a bit of unfortunate history we had here um, where our schools were closed because our Board of Supervisors decided they did not want to listen to a Supreme Court mandate and integrate schools. And so we were closed from 59 to 64, and that is our unfortunate claim to fame. And so a lot of Black and Brown people and those of lower socioeconomic status um, did not have an education for quite some time. And it's because of that that my parents pushed me to have an education. There was never really another option given to me. So um, that's, a, that's my background. Um, I went to Longwood, have a degree in communication studies, minored in Spanish. I'm not one of those people who wanted to be a lawyer from childhood. I decided my last year at Longwood, um, I didn't want to get a job yet. Didn't know what I wanted to do. And so I decided to go to law school. Um, and so then I went on down to Williamsburg to the College of William and Mary, received my JD, passed the bar exam, and I have been a prosecutor ever since. Um, I started off in Appomattox County, then I went to Henrico County, and then I decided to come back home and run for Commonwealth's attorney. So I'm in my second term. Um, this, I'm just finishing my second year of this four-year term, and here I am. Um, I thoroughly enjoy being back home in my community. I thoroughly enjoy helping people. Um, I'm a woman um, who is a woman of the Lord. And so I feel as though I have been led here. And I led for this, um, to this particular moment and to this particular position. Um, and I feel as though I will be here until the Lord tells me to move otherwise. All right. uh, recent, I could talk for days and I'm going to get to the point. <laughs> what I'm supposed to be talking about. Um, but recent things that have happened um, to our people um, has really made me question whether or not I want to remain a prosecutor. Um, but I do truly believe that I am here um, and this is my purpose at this time. Um, I have struggled with issues with law enforcement. Um, I work with some, and I'm blessed to work with some truly wonderful law enforcement officers but I'm not blinded. And I realize that that is not the rule everywhere. And um, we have had to have, have some very difficult conversations of, I support you, um, but I support my community. And those two things can coexist. Mm -hmm. And so all things considered, um, I do believe that our justice system, I'll say it is largely broken. <clears throat> and I want to be a part of helping to fix that. And, um, you are able, contrary to popular belief, you are able to do that as a prosecutor. Um, we are seen as the chief law enforcement officers of any given locality, um, especially as the elected um, prosecutor. And so you have a lot of power, but you also have a lot of responsibility with that. Mm -hmm. um, and so where I do believe that we have to hold people accountable for their actions, um, I think that that can happen in any number of ways. 
And once someone has been held accountable for their actions, I believe that um, it is a part of my duty with my community and because I just want to do it. Um, it's necessary to help people reintegrate into society. Mm -hmm. That is where um, we have failed individuals. Reentry after incarceration, um, reentry after being convicted of felonies is an area that we largely fail um, our members of our communities. Just because someone has committed a crime does not mean that that has to be held over their head for the rest of their lives, um, depending on what that crime is. And, <clears throat> excuse me, one thing that people um, take for granted is the fact that we have uh, what we call civil rights and civil rights that are taken away from us when we are convicted of felonies. Um, when you are convicted of a felony, your right to vote is taken away from you. Your right to have a weapon is taken away from you. Your right um, to serve on a jury is taken away from you. Those are formal rights that are taken away. Now, we can also talk about the rights that are taken away, um, not in a formal process, but many people do not want to hire felons. Um, and so a lot of job opportunities are taken away. Depending on the felony charge that you are convicted of, you are no longer eligible for public assistance. And so when you are convicted of a drug distribution charge, um, when you have that conviction, not only um, are some rights formally taken away from you, but then you don't have the right to public assistance. And if you don't have the right to public assistance and you don't have the, the right to certain jobs, then what are you going to do if we don't support individuals and we don't explain to them um, the error of their ways? Well, they're going to turn right back to those criminal behaviors. Now, I, I through the years, I am able to recognize um, that I can't fix it all, that there are some people who are just going to be criminal-minded. I have to say it. I have to accept it. I have to move on from it. But I believe that that's the exception and not the rule. Um, and so. One of the things that um, I talk about with individuals um, is rights restoration. And when you have your rights restored, um, it even shows on your criminal history that even though you have this felony conviction, it will show that your civil rights have been restored. And typically, you have to go through a process in order for that to happen. Now, Governor Terry, former Governor Terry McAuliffe um, decided to do blanket restorations for a lot of people. Um, but again, that was the exception and not the rule. And dare I say that with our current administration, that will not be taking place. And so you have to take some affirmative steps to get your rights restored. And it's not difficult. And a lot of people think that um, there's a lot of red tape to it. Um, once you finish your period of probation, um, you don't have any further obligations. Um, and I think sometimes even before that period of probation is over with, you can apply to have your civil rights restored. Um, you can go on to, um, actually, whenever I'm printing out paperwork, I just Google Civil Rights Restoration Virginia Governor's Office, and it takes you to the Secretary of the Commonwealth's um, page, and um, it says you can check to see whether your rights have been restored, or you can apply to have your rights restored. When you apply to have your rights restored, really all you need is your name, um, your social, your birthday. You need to know what your conviction was for and what jurisdiction. Sometimes there are convictions out of state court. Sometimes there are convictions out of federal court. 
and you put all that information in um, and it goes to um, the Secretary of the Commonwealth. And if you meet their requirements, um, then they have to restore your civil rights. And then you get a document from the governor's office saying your civil rights have been restored. Once your civil rights have been restored, you can apply to vote again. Um, and then once your civil rights are restored, you can be put back in the jury pool so that um, you may be able to serve on a jury again. Okay. Um, and those two things people don't believe make a difference, but they do. Mm -hmm. Voting in particular, we are seeing um, how voting rights are important and how exercising that right is, is important today. Um, and I remember somewhere in the Tidewater area, I don't remember if it was for House of Delegates or Senate or something, but it literally came down to a number of votes as to um, who was going to be a representative. Your right to vote matters because mm -hmm. your representation matters. Mm -hmm. We're seeing that um, in action right now. In case anybody knows or doesn't know of my political affiliation, I have never been more scared than when Trump was elected and then when um, he was up for re-election. Typically, depending on who's in power, you know that you just may not agree with that person. You may not agree with all of their um, political ideologies. You may not um, agree with how they want to handle things, whether it's socially or fiscally. But I've never been scared. And that was the first time that I was scared. In Virginia, um, now is the first time that I'm scared about our state representation. Um, I'm, I'm not an extremist one way or the other. Um, I am more middle of the road because I believe that we can compromise with individuals um, no matter their political affiliation or if they even have an affiliation. But there is some middle ground. And right now I am so scared because of the shift in power and the fact that, and I'll say Democrats and Republicans alike, they are so concerned and consumed with winning that the general public is losing. And so your right to vote matters. Your right to run for office matters because we need representation from all walks of life. The other thing that comes with um, your civil rights being restored, um, and I know that um, my target audience here um, is largely um, single mothers. Your right to bear a firearm can be restored once you have your civil rights restored. And people say, Megan, why are you talking about guns? Um, I'm from the country <laughs> and I have grown up around guns. Um, and not all people have, and I understand that, not all people want guns in their homes. Um, but I am a single woman. Um, I have a job that gets me some enemies. And regardless of whether or not I choose to have a firearm or some other weapon, I want to be able to make that choice right. and not someone tell me that it has been taken away from me. And so once your civil rights are restored, you are able to petition the court, the circuit court in the jurisdiction in which you live in Virginia um, to have your firearm rights restored. And for some people, not a big deal at all. I get it. Um, for some people, 
just because you petition to have those rights restored does not mean that you're going to get those rights restored. Um, but we have a lot of people um, who have nonviolent felonies, um, such as DUIs. Um, I have a friend who just decided he just could not stop driving after consuming alcohol. Well, that led to felony convictions for DUIs. Not a violent person at all, but that took his right to bear a firearm away. Mm -hmm. And he is a big hunter. We're hunters around here. And I think that probably crushed him more than not being able to drive. <laughs> he was able to get those rights restored. He was very happy. Um, he wants to be able to hunt with his family members. That's something that just culturally around here is something that is done. Um, now, you know, if I have someone come before me with their civil rights restored um, and they have committed a violent crime, let me look at how long ago that violent crime was. Were you 18? Okay. Now you're 60. We have to yeah. and balance things. Okay. But that is something that people consider around here. Um, and you will see somebody who will come to court and say, Judge, I just want to be able to hunt. You don't have to restore all of my rights. Well, sir or ma'am, it's all or nothing. Um, but that is something that you have to have your civil rights restored before you can get those rights restored. And, um, <laughs> I could talk for days, for days about the criminal justice system, um, about things that I want to see change, mm -hmm. um, things that I pray I will be able to be a part of. I'm going to shut up so that you all can ask me. <laughs> well, I actually do have a question and yes, you gave us a lot of information and all of I'm it. I'm sorry. No, it's okay because I think it's necessary. Um, I think one of the things that you <clears throat> very early, which is the subject of this, you know, this taping is I think when, when certain things are done and people commit certain crimes, I don't think that they think about having their rights restored all the time. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times they may see that, okay, I did this in my life and there's nothing that I can do about it. And they don't even consider the flip side of it. One thing I found interesting though, um, you can, it's an application process mm -hmm. that you have to go through to have your rights restored. So as part of the application process, once that has, it, that seems like the initial part. Mm -hmm. The second part of it, if I got it right, then you have to, there's another process that you go through to have your vote to right restored, your <laughs> gun, uh, your uh, right to bear arms restored, mm -hmm. and also your jury service right mm -hmm. restored. And that's all under civil. So are each of those a separate process as well, or is it each considered differently just depending? Or how do they go about, you know, they were interested in all three, how would they go about it? So once your civil rights are restored, um, that's all one big, that, that's it. It's okay. all that one application, but um, you still have to register to vote. Okay. Um, and, you know, a lot of people register when they turn 18. You just have to register to vote. So okay. um, once your right to vote is restored, you have to register, um, which you can do through DMV. Um, you can go to your registrar's office. Um, you can... Um, you can even do that on online. Um, if you don't have access in your home, you can go to a public library. Um, and you can do that through the State um, Department of Elections. Okay. Um, now, for jury duty um, and jury service, your name will be put back in the pool for that. Um, that's not a separate process. Okay. That, and that's automatic. Gotcha. And then the firearms is a separate process. Gotcha. Okay. Mm-hmm. Someone who is there really just to file violations if you do not do well on probation. Um, at least in my area, probation officers are also resources. And I know that some people say, 
that is not a resource I want to utilize. But um, we're a part of uh, our probation officers have a reentry council. Okay. Members from around the community. And that's not something that is um, a foreign concept. I'm sure that most probation officers are a part of this. Um, we hear from people who have been incarcerated and um, will tell us, you know, of their struggles. Um, mm -hmm. Probation officers have listings of employers in the area okay. who hire um, people with felony records. Good. Um, and so they can be utilized, um, you know, to, to seek out employment. Now, it may not be the CEO of a company starting out, <laughs> right. but, um, but there are um, plenty of employers. Um, I work routinely with um, masonry. We have um, a Coleman Masonry in Farmville, Virginia. Okay. Um, he routinely hires felons. Not only will he hire you, um, and, and masonry, um, don't know how familiar you are with, that's good money. Yes, it is. Mason, mm -hmm. that is good money. Um, he gives you a vehicle. You're responsible for picking up other folks um, who work on the same shift as you and at, at the same location. Okay. Go home. Um, so there are people who are willing to take chances because they know, honestly, I always say there before the grace of God go out. One wrong turn one way or another. That doesn't affect you as a person. Um, and, and too often, and especially my colleagues, um, too often they want to make that define you as a person. So you utilize your probation officers. Mm -hmm. um, they have listings of people who will hire felons. Okay. Um, don't be afraid to ask those questions of them. They are there as a resource yeah. to do your drug screens. Of course, they have to do that as well. But they are there to help you. They're supposed to be there to help you. Let me put that in there. <laughs> you said a good, um, you made a good point. Like, you know, people who get especially if you're young so you know if you do something when you're younger and you get a felony for it as you get older you're thinking um that you're stuck with this yeah um, you know it's gonna be held over your head until you get older and people don't know mm -hmm. um and it's unfortunate because I, back to what you said megan like people go back to what they did before criminal behaviors all because nobody wants to give them a break or they feel like they can't catch a break um, so it's very good that we're having this conversation because um, crazy does not sound and, you know, we're friends, but um, <laughs> like this whole rights restoration thing, like that's huge because right. people don't, you don't know what you don't know. Right. And when people have these, um, these situations come up because I know plenty of people who have DUIs, you yeah. know, um, and they're good people, you know, like they're not criminals and, you know, like nonviolent and whatever. But you're like, man, like this could hinder me from getting the job that I truly want. Mm -hmm. um, and and it kind of sucks. I mean, it is a consequence of, you know, but it's just kind of like, really? Like, there's nothing we can do. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, they're forced into something else that, you know, could lead you one way or the other. And so um, I'm glad you did bring up that point because there is, uh, I know a lot of times we um, harp on hope. Like this mm -hmm. a, a constant thing that we say in our podcast or our webcast, um, because that's what this is all about. Hope mm -hmm. for the next level. You know, you know, you could be a this is very vital, um, especially in our communities that um, a lot of us do not know. Mm -hmm. um, right. you know, they don't know where to go, where to look. They just 
they just feel like all hope is lost. And, mm -hmm. and just listen to you, there's plenty of hope. Um, and I'm hoping that this will reach somebody, um, male, female, mom, dad, whatever, um, just to get someone back on the right path to say, it'll be okay. You know, right, everything, right. you know, you can't fix everything, mm -hmm. but we can try to fix something. So absolutely. We are, um, we're in a general assembly session right now. And so you, you caught me at a unique time when I'm paying attention or trying to pay attention to some legislation that's coming through. Um, and when I talk about representation, here's another example of why our representation matters. In Virginia, I will pull a criminal history now. And if someone was convicted of, let's say, a larceny offense, and it was a felony back in the 70s, it still shows on their record. Wow. of the weaknesses of Virginia is that they don't let you forget mm. what you have done. Now, I'm supposed to look at these convictions from whenever mm -hmm. I am looking at someone's current criminal charge. And there are certain people who will say, well, I don't care that it was in the 70s. Right. It still matters now. Yeah. Some things, maybe, maybe. But the vast majority of things, you've got to look at somebody and meet them where they are now. That's right. I agree. And we were on our way to some legislation that was going to allow for certain offenses to be expunged, um, which means removed from your record. It's as if it never happened. Wow. And now we have a new administration, and that's going to go by the wayside. We're talking about another example, and I told you I could talk for days, We're talking about um, marijuana legislation. So people are very excited that marijuana has now become legal in certain contexts in Virginia. Okay. Um, I, I have mixed emotions on it um, because of the fact that I believe it can be a gateway drug to um, other things, other drugs. But the fact of the matter is a wrong was trying to be corrected. Mm -hmm. And many of our Black and Brown people um, have been disproportionately impacted mm -hmm. by marijuana and convictions for possession of marijuana. Well, what are we going to do with the people who have those convictions now? Right. There's no legislation put in place to where those things can be expunged. You have people who are serving time for distribution of marijuana. Nothing has been done to um, fix that. And so these people are still going to have these convictions unless we have representation amongst our um, senators and our delegates who are going to advocate for right. our people. Right. Um, and who, who are going to advocate. And I say our people, and I, I say our people as black and brown, but also people um, of disadvantaged socioeconomic status mm -hmm. because they're not represented either. Right. Um, when we look at the composition of um, the people who are making our laws in Virginia. Right. So Virginia doesn't want you to forget the crimes that you committed many, many years ago because it's there forever. I had someone come up to me um, a few years ago and said, Miss Megan, um, you know, my daughter had this conviction for um, possession of um, cocaine. I said, right, I remember. Um, and now, you know, she's ready to get a job. This girl has um, a bachelor's and a master's degree. She's ready to get a job. So how do we get that off her record? Wow. 
what defense attorney didn't explain to you when she was mm -hmm. in a guilty plea to wow. this charge that this is going to be here forever? Wow. Um, someone was not doing their job properly. Right. And so, you know, we, what, what's the saying? You have not because you ask not. Mm -hmm. um, we have to do a better job of disseminating this type of information. I agree. Wow. And I can only imagine what that uh, could have done to her mentally. And, and please know that that was, um, <clears throat> I won't be politically correct, that was a trifling boyfriend who was having her deal his dope. Wow. And she uh, was at such a place that she did not have the wherewithal to say, I ain't going to do that for you. Right. And I, I think that's about his life. Absolutely. And I think that's a big deal too. Um, but I guess when you're before the judge or you're before whoever considers it all, they don't, that's not considered. All that they know is you are the one and this is the situation. But I think a bigger part of that is like you said, I mean, what happens after you've done your time, you've served your sentence. So what we're hoping for after that is exactly what we're talking about, because you do want people to feel hopeful because I think when they don't, they do find themselves or they could find themselves kind of in that same evolving oh, cycle. cycle, evolving cycle, absolutely. And so I think that's the danger in it all. And like you said in the beginning, I mean, some people, they they just want to stay there. But those that don't, don't, and they want to make a difference in their life because, hey, let, let's just face it, when we're younger, we don't make the best decisions for ourselves. That's and right. so it could have been a situation where it happened 20 years ago, but 20 years later, hey, I got a little bit more insight about my life and I understand which direction I, I want to move in more clearly, but to still have this 20 year ago offense mm -hmm. follow me and I can't do anything about that. Oh my gosh, that almost diminishes the hope. But yes. even still, if you have people in place, like you said, like the probationary officers that are there as a resource, if we just can get in our mindset that, you know, they are there to help, I think that all parts that are able to help you move if we can take advantage of all those parts that are able to help you move, then that'll kind of, you know, help us along the process. Mm -hmm. so I really appreciate you being here. I think it's all good information. Please know that even when convicted, actually, you don't get convicted as a juvenile. You are adjudicated delinquent of an offense. The language is different. Right. Those delinquency adjudications will show on your criminal history. Some people do not know that certain offenses will show on your criminal history. It shows as a juvenile offense. But when we do sentencing guidelines, when we have people charged with felony offenses, the vast majority of those offenses, um, when we are trying to come up with a recommendation for a sentence for the court, um, we have guidelines and it's a point system. Okay. It will ask on the guidelines, does this person have a juvenile record? Wow. Wow. Yes. Wow. And you get added points um, if you have a juvenile record. And these are not things that are explained to right. individuals. Now, when you are a juvenile, and quite honestly, your brain is not done developing until you are in your 20s. Mm -hmm. okay. And so if the juvenile system, we take that into consideration. And that's why the juvenile system is still very much about protecting the victims, protecting the community, and rehabilitating the juvenile offender. Okay. Trying to reduce recidivism. Those are things that are in the state code mandate. Okay. Okay. What we do with juveniles. And so we try very hard not to convict juveniles. Okay. But when they are convicted of certain offenses, it still shows. Yeah. 
juvenile say, my, see, my record is sealed. No precious is not. Wow. Certain offenses are going to show as a juvenile conviction and it will follow you. Virginia wow. makes it very hard to forget. Great. This is this has been a good conversation. Um, thank you, Megan, for stopping by to talk with us. Thank you um, all for I, having me. Of course. I really appreciate you. You know, I appreciate you. Um, if there could be, if there's one thing, one piece of advice that you can give the community, what would it be? Ooh. Oof. <laughs> We we'll make it too. <laughs> um, in terms of, well, here's the thing. In terms of um, just criminal justice, and not criminal justice only, but um, as a whole, it is past time for us to pay attention to our leadership and who we are um, allowing to be in these leadership positions. Mm -hmm and putting ourselves out there um, because we are worthy of those positions. I agree. Listened to people in my community. Um, I would not have run for Commonwealth's attorney. I was told that it was too many Black folks um, who had elected positions in Prince Edward County. They did not need um, another Black person, so don't run. I was told I was too young. And so I needed to wait my turn. Wow. Um, I was told the person I ran against, they said, why doesn't she allow him to run and then go ask him for a job? Oh, wow. Don't listen to those people um, because they mean you no good. Mm. And put yourselves out there. So what you lose, you have put your name in the hat for it. You have shaken up the system. Mm -hmm. You have... Um, let people know that you're not going to sit back idly and watch the demise of your community. And what if you win? You don't know unless you put yourself out there. That's good. What if you win? <laughs> what if you win? That's wonderful. Sorry. Um, be a part of the process. Right. In whatever shape that takes. Some people are, say, I'm not the one to run for office. I get it. But you can be in somebody's campaign. You can be somebody's foot soldier. You can do something. Be a part of the process. Because right now, I'm fearful. And there's so many other people who are fearful of what is going to happen to our communities. How dare a governor have nothing more than what I call a snitch line to tell um, for disgruntled parents to go say that teachers are teaching about decisive matters. Um, and so you want to remove good educators because they're teaching the correct history. Um, you know, we have a governor who says no to critical race theory. I don't even use the term or phrase critical race theory. I use you're teaching proper history. How many times have we taught Christopher Columbus was a hero and that is a lie? Um, who are you? To say that, that Youngkin, I'll say his name, who are you to say that people can't teach proper history? Wow. You want whitewashed history to be taught at schools because you're afraid that people are going to be empowered when they know that their people 
have been oppressed for so long and you don't want to empower them because you're afraid that somebody's going to take your power. Mm. I'm here to say we are here to take your power. We're going to, and we're going to be all right. <laughs> I've been poor before. I know what it's like. Youngkin, do you know what it's like? Do you know what it's like to have to go into survival mode? Because we are in survival mode and I'm going to survive. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, again, thank I you. I appreciate y'all. And this conversation was very much needed. I'm sure this is going to reach someone who did not have a clue that they could even go about getting their rights restored. And so I am grateful. I tell you this all the time. I'm thankful for you um, for coming in to share. Um, if anybody wanted to follow you or, you know, your campaign or whatever, your mm-hmm. your uh, journey through the, the political realm, as we <laughs> want to say, <laughs> um, is there any is there any way to contact you um, email website or anything yeah. um so my email address is clark c-l-a-r-k four as in the number p-e as in prince edward at gmail.com um i have my facebook page um for uh commonwealth's attorney i think it's under megan l clark commonwealth's attorney um i don't do twitter i because I'll get sucked into, um, <laughs> um, so th- those are the main ways. Um, so yeah. Thank you yeah. so much again. You're welcome. Um, I want to do a quick pivot to our, um, our, our organization, Women of 4D, which is um, an umbrella to women's lit. Uh, Women of 4D is um, the organization where we are um, supporting single mothers um, and giving, providing resources so that they could further their education um, by, you know, helping them seek out resources. And we also have um, what we call our annual Endless Possibilities Scholarship, where um, we provide um, a scholarship to a single mother who is looking to further her education, um, just trying to help out our communities because we know that um, there's a lot going on and a lot of people need help. So if we can be that stepping stone for someone, um, that's what we're trying to do. And with that, our, um, our window of application opens on March 1st and it ends on April 15th. And we encourage, um, any single mother who is looking to, um, further, further their education and you need help with, you know, supplies, costs, whatever, um, apply, you know, like Megan said, put your head in there. You don't know, um, you don't know what could happen. You might get the yes, you know, or whatever. So we do again, thank you, Megan, for stopping by to speak with us.